Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, September 3rd, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be presenting an interview with the co-writer and director of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by news editor, Huai Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. Hey, HT. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm excited. It's Friday right before a uh, three-day weekend. I don't think we're going to have a podcast episode on Monday, so hopefully everybody enjoys their Labor Day. And enjoys watching Shang-Chi. Yeah, it's out in theaters today. And um, I know that you have been doing a lot of Shang-Chi coverage on the site, HC. You wrote the review and you had the chance to speak with uh, the co-writer and director of the movie. So I wanted to ask you to set up this interview and just sort of give people, uh, you know, some expectations of, of what uh, what you're about to say here. Yeah, I spoke with Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed and co-wrote Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. He's also directed other indie hits. He's one of the many indie directors to make the leap to Marvel. Um, but Short Term 12 is a highly acclaimed film that he directed. Um, and I spoke to him about the film, the Asian American experience, you know, and also, of course, the Tony Lung of it all. <laughs> I couldn't resist asking him a couple questions about having Tony Leung in his film and whether he 
whether it was all very intentional that he leaned in and doubled down as much as he did on Tony Leung as um, an actor and as less of a villain for the film than an anti-hero of sorts. And um, I think that that'll be an interesting thing coming out of the movie, whether people are of that mind that I was, that um, Tony Leung is innocent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I guess just because this movie is coming out in theaters doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is able to safely see the film right the second. So are there any spoilers in here, HT, or do you think that people who might want to wait for this movie for streaming can still listen to this conversation now? No spoilers in this interview, so you should be okay if you have not yet seen the film. All right. Well, with that, let's just go ahead and roll that clip. It's great to speak with you today, Dustin. Great to talk to you, too. So uh, first, I wanted to ask, uh, during the press conference for Shang-Chi earlier today, you said what drew you to the film was Shang-Chi's journey of self-discovery. Would you distinguish this story from a typical superhero origin story? And is it important for you to make this distinction? Um, I, uh, for, for me, I... I just really connect with Shang-Chi and I, uh, that journey of self-discovery is something that um, I find myself in currently in, in the, the state of the world that we're in and in a lot of the, the things that we've all gone through, the ups and downs we've gone through over the past couple of years. I, I find myself looking into my, into my past and trying to understand how I can use this pain or the, these struggles and flip them around and, and turn them into something positive that I can move forward with optimism. And to me, that's the journey that Shanti is on. And I find it extremely relatable. Um, and I, I found it, find it much more relatable than, uh, than if he was, you know, just magically hit by an asteroid and got his, his superpowers that way. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of pressure from all sides while you're making Shang-Chi. Uh, its importance culturally, its importance franchise-wise as one of the first big films of the MCU's Phase 4, and its importance as a martial arts-heavy film. Uh, were there any pitfalls that you specifically wanted to avoid in making this movie? I, I think uh, as as Asians and Asian-Americans in in cinema, um, there have been a lot of stereotypes that have uh, been introduced in the past and and continually revisited over the course of, of uh, film history. And we wanted to try to break a lot of those stereotypes. We wanted to show our characters in ways that, that we have not seen before um, and, and have characters w- with uh, Asian backgrounds and Chinese backgrounds who have personalities unlike we have typically seen in, in movies before who who act like my friends and my family and uh, and listen to the same type of music that I do and dress like us and um, these these are all all ways that we were just trying to humanize every one of our characters including our our villain quote unquote villain who was potentially one of the biggest stereotypes that we were trying to work against and 
hiring a, a, an actor like Tony Leung to play Wen Wu was one of the the biggest moments of understanding what we were trying to do in this movie. Because as soon as Tony came on, we knew the type of movie we were making and the type of character that we had to create in order to make make that character worthy of, of an actor like Tony. Was it ever troubling because so many of these characters are rooted in stereotypes from when they're, they were created, those Fu Manchu stereotypes, or did that just give you uh, so much creative freedom to do as you wished with these characters and uh, divorce them completely from that, the origins, the troubling origins from which they came? I, I think it's, it's very empowering to take things that um, were, were, not, were not done correctly to, re to represent our community and, and, and take that and flip it and and make it something that we can be proud of um i i f i found that process to creatively to be very fulfilling and uh and i i hope that when when people watch this movie regardless of what your cultural background is i hope that you see the love and respect that we poured into each of these characters um so so that they are relatable to anybody so speaking of Tony Leung, he is an international superstar, but one that may be less known stateside. Uh, I mean, that's on them, of course. <laughs> um, yet uh, you shape the majority of your film around him and give him a lot of hefty, heavy lifting emotionally, but also narratively. I even argue that he's the co-lead of this movie in a lot of ways. Sure. Uh, were there any reservations to go as hard on Tony Leung as you did, or were you just like, I have Tony Leung in my movie, I'm gonna cast him as that romantic hero that he's been known to play so many times? Um, I mean, the, the truth, we weren't, we weren't purposely creating more scenes just because we had Tony, um, but the, this movie was always a, going to be a movie about a very complicated relationship between a father and a son. Um, and and watching characters who um, who have had a very tragic experience uh, shatter their family apart, and watching how each of our our each character of this family deals with that pain differently, runs away from it differently, puts up walls, um, puts back on rings, and tries to get revenge, um, and and then watch watch them slowly learn how to look back at these painful memories and redefine them in a way that they can they can move forward in their life um with with that in mind it it really only made sense to tell tell the story of Wen Wu with uh with a, a lot of facets so we can really understand who he is and why he is making the decisions that we probably wouldn't make on our own. You embed this film in so many uh, pieces of the Asian American experience, the shoes, taking off shoes before going inside, the ABC line, um, karaoke. Uh, do you think that the, the the theme of family that this film heavily, is so heavily centered on is also something that's very quintessentially part of not only the Asian American experience, but the Asian experience. 
Yeah, I mean, the I I my background my my great grandparents um, moved to Hawaii from Okinawa in Japan, and they moved there to to work in the sugarcane plantations. Um, our co-writer Dave Callahan is, is Chinese American, and his so so we have different cultural backgrounds, but but when we talk about our family unit and the emphasis on respect, the emphasis on um, the the uh, dedication to that family unit, um, it it was a very shared experience and the the generational respect and and understanding that we are only sit i'm only sitting in this chair because of the choices that my grandparents made and my great grandparents made and telling that that story i think was universal for us to sh- dave and i to share um and i i do think it's universal even beyond asian culture i think that is something that that makes this movie relatable to anybody who is in a family. We, we all know that dynamic when you love somebody so deeply and you, you also know that there is pain and conflict that sometimes is really hard to, to work around, but that love is always there. So the late Brad Allen was the supervising stunt coordinator for this film and received a lovely tribute in the credits. Um, can you speak about how much Allen brought to the film, especially as a member of the Jackie Chan uh, stunt team, famously? When I, I first met with Brad Allen, he came into the office in, in, in L.A. to talk about this movie. And I just instantly saw the deep respect he held um, for for Chinese martial arts, um, for the history of of uh, kung fu in in cinema um and how much he wanted to get get it right in this movie um he he really held the weight of that pressure from from the very beginning and and went above and beyond with with hiring the right choreographers from mainland china from hong kong to to create these really beautiful and um uh funny and uh these sequences that are so surprising and how much story is being told through through the choreography um it was really such a a joy and a learning experience to watch him create the these sequences that were very integral and woven into the fabric of the the character development that we were that we were sending our characters on in this journey all right thank you so much for speaking with me today it was great to talk to you thank you all right so hopefully you guys enjoyed that uh ht i just wanted to ask you before we wrap up fully uh, today and sort of send people off into their long weekend have your feelings on shang chi evolved at all since you saw the movie you saw it you know like a, what, a couple weeks ago or something at this yeah. point probably and um i i'm just curious about you know, how, how the movie has sat with you over time. 
Um, honestly, my feelings haven't changed. I do feel a little bit, I guess, guilty that my rating was uh, seemingly so low, but I think it does reflect my feelings overall with the film, which are positive for the most part, but I have a lot of criticisms with uh, the film overall. But otherwise, I do think it's a decent, solid Marvel flick, a decent, solid a Hollywood version of a martial arts film, and that it's really, really elevated by Tony Leung's uh, villain performance because he is just so charismatic that he steals the scenes uh, almost to the film's detriment, but I think um, I might write about later. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 okay, so here's one more thing. I'm, I'm totally putting you on the spot with this, HT, but you mentioned in that interview with, with Dustin Daniel Cretton that uh, you know, for folks who don't know who Tony Lung is, that's kind of on them. So let's use this as just a an opportunity, a springboard to introduce people to some of his work if they're not like instantly familiar. So maybe give me like a, a top three or four, uh, like, a, like a Tony Leung starter kit kind of thing. Like if people maybe watch this movie and are like, holy crap, that guy's amazing. What should they seek out and, and go see him in? Well, I think for sure any of the films he's done with Wong Kar Wai are a must, but of those films, I think In the Mood for Love is uh, a must-see in general. It's just a stone-cold classic, a beautiful, luscious, sumptuous film, um, and featuring one of his best performances. Uh, I also adore his performance in Chunking Express. He's one of an ensemble, but I think for me, he was the standout in that film. Um he is fantastic in Infernal Affairs, if you're up for a more uh, punchy, hard-hitting action film, as well as Hard World, which I talked about on the, the water cooler we did a couple of weeks ago or days ago. I don't know what time is anymore. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those those are the ones I can think off the top of my head. Um, the Grandmaster is streaming on Netflix now until the end of September, so you should check that out if you can. It's another Wong Kar Wai collaboration and one of the more recent films he did. Uh, Lust Caution as well, but Lust Caution is actually one of the few films where he plays a villain. He often plays a protagonist of some sorts, so Ooh, I guess that's kind of a lead up uh, for Shang-Chi. Um, but yes, Lust Caution is, if you can guess by the title, also very scandalous, not NS <laughs> very NSFW. So, uh, But if you're very excited about seeing uh, Tony Leung do some really hardcore graphic love scenes, then, uh, you know... Wink. <laughs> I am adding that to my list as we speak. I, I yeah, I've, I have not seen Lust Caution or Infernal Affairs yet, and I really need to get around to doing that. You Infernal Affairs, I remember you talking about and, Infernal Affairs. Yeah, then. I remember you liking it a lot. And and for folks who don't know, that's the movie that um, The Departed is uh, remaking. So um, yeah, I think that, that's great. It's exactly what I was looking for, and hopefully, um, exactly what some of our listeners may be looking for too. Just like a, I know there's. You know, he's made a ton of movies. Let's see, on IMDb, he's credited with uh, 99 things right now. So there's a lot to, uh, to sort of sift through there. And it, it's always nice and helpful to have uh, a bunch of, um, you know, like light posts to uh, to jump jump to. So, um, all right. Yeah. So speaking of Shang-Chi, we have a ton, a ton of Shang-Chi coverage on SlashFilm.com right now. There are editorials and, uh, you know, explainers and all sorts of stuff. So if you've seen that movie and if you have any questions about it whatsoever, there's a very, very high probability that your questions are answered uh, somewhere in the um, in the archives of SlashFilm.com right now. So I encourage everybody to go to the site and, and check out all of that coverage. Uh, you can find more about Shang-Chi at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on 
on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you on Tuesday.